This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, welcome to this week's Bald Head Bible Podcast. And I'd just like to encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, to please consider supporting us. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you'll see different levels that you can support us at. It isn't much. I'm not trying to get rich off of this or anything like that, but you can support us for the mighty amount of $1 a month. $1 a month, which comes to $12 a year. And what do you get for that? Well, you get access to the Baldhead Bible Podcast after show, Waxing the Dome. It's a 10-minute show where I'll be talking about various things, and I'll probably be, number one, talking about extra content that I wasn't able to get at about the character for this week, and I'll throw in some things that I just ran out of time to talk about and wasn't able to fit in the show, or or number two, I'll be interviewing some really cool people, some theological friends I have or pastoral friends I have who can give us some insight on the book or the character we're going through that week. Or finally, I'll just interview some really cool people that are just fun to meet. Or maybe I'll just chat about stuff. But it's just for supporters of the podcast. It's going to be a 10-minute show. Our premiere episode is free, so check it out. Baldhead Bible Podcast after show waxing the dome but starting this week it's only going to be accessible to our supporters so for a dollar a month you get access to this 10 minute after show podcast which will be a lot of fun but if you want to go higher you can support us for three dollars a month and there you get the after show waxing the dome as well as a sticker We've created some Bald Head Bible merch, if you'd like to look at it that way, and I will mail you a sticker if you join for $3 per month. And our highest level is $5 a month, and there you get the Bald Head Bible podcast after show waxing the dome. Plus, secondly, you get a sticker. Plus, thirdly, you get the ability to download a PDF, and it'll be a series of questions that you can use to think through the story in the podcast. You could use these questions as a way to have devotions with your family or use it with your Bible study group. And I'll try to throw in, if I can, a little crossword puzzle that maybe your kid and you can fill in as you listen to the podcast. So... You get that if you join at $5 per month. So think about supporting the podcast. You can support us, again, easily for $1 a month. It's called the Buzz Cut. Or you can join us at $3 a month, which is called Shaved. You're getting closer to the bald goodness. And then the highest level, $5 a month. And that's called True Baldy. 
You have reached true bald head Bible perfection. So I'd encourage you to think about it. Um, it costs me some money to put this podcast on. But of course, you don't have to join at all. And you can just listen to the main podcast, which will always be free. And I want to get the message of the Bible and the excitement of Scripture out there. So do not worry. That will always be free. But if you'd like to think about supporting us, go once again to patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible or just go to patreon.com and search baldheadbible. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. I think some days we forget that we are in the middle of a cosmic battle, and that you and me, as followers of Jesus, are part of a bigger spiritual cosmic battle going on. And we don't even grasp it, but man, it's exciting to say we're a part of that. And I think when we come to the book of 2 Kings chapter 10, we see it so clearly in the life of Jehu. Because remember in Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the high places. Paul, writing in the book of Ephesians, reminds us we are fighting against cosmic powers that have rule over this present darkness. Earlier in a book called Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel talks about how he was praying, and, and this angel shows up and says, it would have gotten here earlier, but the prince of Persia stopped me, and Michael, the archangel, had to come to my rescue. And man, it just gives you a sense of some of the warfare that's going on in the supernatural world as we live in this natural world for our God, Yahweh. And his son, Jesus Christ, we live for him down here. But man, there is a cosmic battle going on. There is someone who hates Yahweh. His name is Satan. And he thinks he's better than Yahweh. Man, how can you think you're better than the king of all kings, the god of all gods, who created everything, who even created you, Satan? How can you think you're better? Well, Satan does, and he is the ruler of the cosmic power over this present darkness, and he's got his little demons working for him, and he's got his own little G-gods, and one of the biggest little G-gods that was pretty popular in the Old Testament was this little G-god named Baal and his wife Asherah. And throughout the ancient Near East, you see Baal worship again and again. Why? Well, Baal was the little g-god of fertility. If you wanted your crops to grow, you prayed to Baal. If you wanted to have a kid, you prayed to Baal and his wife Asherah. They were the god of fertility. They were also the thunder god of rain. Because you couldn't get any crops to grow unless you had rain, right? Well, worship of this god, Baal, popped up everywhere. 
when they should have been worshiping the one true God, Yahweh, who created everything. They were praying to the wrong God. And the way they worshiped Baal seemed way more fun than the worship of Yahweh. Because the worship of Baal, hey, anything goes. We saw that. Remember when Elijah stood against those 400 prophets of Baal and they danced around like maniacs and they cut themselves. Anything went to try to get Baal to respond. Well, the worship of Yahweh had specific rules, specific ways of doing things. Because God knew if I just let man do what he wants to do, they're going to end up in a bad way. And they did. Because Baal worship involved a lot of bad stuff, and one of the worst was child sacrifice. This is terrible. All in the worship of Baal. But Baal worship was in Phoenicia. Baal worship was all over the Canaanite region. Baal worship was in Syria. Baal worship was in all these cultures surrounding Israel. But the one true God, Yahweh, was worshipped by Israel. And Israel, you're my beloved. I chose you out of all the nations I could have chosen. I chose you. You're my special people. You are my bride. You worship me. Yahweh is telling this to Israel. Well, eventually, this evil Baal worship got into Israel. And in particular, northern Israel. And actually, it also got into southern Israel, right? Through Solomon and his wives. And it infiltrated into the pure, beloved bride of Yahweh. No! Cosmic battle. Satan thinks he's winning. If I can get the people of Israel to turn to worship Baal and not pursue Yahweh anymore... I'll have won. I'll have accomplished a great victory here. Well, God, Yahweh, is going to wipe out this little G-God, Baal, out of Israel. And he starts it all the way 40 years earlier with this little man named Elijah who walks into the throne room of Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who were two of the biggest reasons Baal worship God into Israel in the first place. Elijah walks right in there, remember? And he pokes his finger right in the nose of Ahab and says, it's not going to rain till my God says it's going to rain. What? Uh-uh, Baal controls the rain. Asherah and Baal control all that. Well, guess what? It didn't rain. Guess who just proved Baal is nothing before him? And then Elijah had a great contest between him all by himself and 400 prophets of Baal. Remember that story? And all they had to do was get their God to light their sacrifice, to send a fire from heaven. And guess who's did? Elijah. Yahweh lit up his sacrifice, soaking wet with water, but Yahweh lit it up while the 400 prophets of Baal, they danced around, they cut themselves, they did all these horrible things to try to get Baal to answer them, and nothing, nothing. And so the people of Israel killed those 400 prophets of Baal and began to push Baal worship out of Israel. But it came storming back under Ahab and Jezebel. And God said, I am going to judge the house of Ahab. 
And here we have cosmic battle. I am going to eradicate the worship of Baal out of Israel, and I am going to use my man Jehu. We began to see it last week. Remember, Jehu kills the descendants of Ahab, and he kills the wicked queen Jezebel. He's beginning to wipe out the worship of Baal. So Jehu writes a letter to the elders of the city of Samaria. And the elders of the city of Samaria are looking after 70 offspring or descendants of Ahab. And Jehu knew, I have to kill these 70 men, these 70 sons of Ahab. I have to kill them. Or they're going to bring Baal worship right back. So he writes a letter to the elders of the city of Samaria, and he says, make one of those sons, one of those relatives that you're taking care of, make one of them king over Samaria, and have him come out and meet me in battle. And if I beat him in battle, I take Samaria, and you all get killed. Well, when the elders of Samaria received that letter... They began to freak out. They're like, we can't do that. Do you see what Jehu did? He is way more powerful than us. And so they sent back a letter saying, well, we can't do that. No, we, we would all perish before you. So Jehu writes a second letter. And he sends it to the elders of Samaria. And he says, all right, then if that's true, I want you to chop off the heads of all those 70 relatives of Ahab, 70 men. And I want you to bring their heads to me here in Jezreel. So I can imagine, you know, the the next day there's Jehu having an omelet, you know, probably a Denver omelet, little ham, little cheese. Well, probably not ham because he's a good Jew. So maybe just cheese and some vegetables. And in walks his messenger and says, hey, hey, Jehu, you got to go out and see this. And there in basket one, he looks in and there's a head. Then he looks in basket two. There's another head. And he looks up and there are 70 baskets. And each one has the head of one of those 70 sons slash relatives of Ahab. So you know what Jehu does with those heads? He takes 35 of them probably and puts them at one end of the city gates. And then he takes another 35 of them and puts them at the other end of the city gates. And he stacks them up and he piles them up high so that whoever comes through the city gates of Jezreel knows the house of Ahab is about to be wiped out. And if you're not careful, the man who chopped off these heads will chop off yours. It was a sign of power back then. It was a sign that said, I'm in charge. You better be afraid of me to just stack these human corpses like that. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff. Talk about a scary Halloween, right? Well, Jehu, he starts to head to Samaria. Because again, God has told him, I want you to wipe out the house of Ahab. And he just wiped out 70 of them. And he had gotten rid of Jehoram and Ahaziah earlier. He is doing what God commanded him to do. Well, on the way to Samaria, he bumps into this man named Jehonadab. Now, Jehonadab has come to Jezreel to see Jehu. And Jehu says, listen, if you're part of me, if you're on my team, hop into my chariot. 
And Jehonadab, who had a lot of influence in northern Israel, said, all right, I will. I'll be there because you're doing Yahweh's bidding. So they ride. And on the way, they bump into more relatives of King Ahab. But these are relatives of King Ahaziah who are on their way to Samaria. And they say, hey, 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 we're on our way to go see Jezebel. And Jehu says, what? Stops the chariot. Er, You're on your way to see who? And they said, well, you know, we're we're related to Ahaziah and we're on our way to see Jezebel. And, and there were probably city officials. There were probably people that weren't technically part of the house of Ahab. Well, this is where Jehu starts to go a little wrong. Because in his zeal to obey the Lord... He probably killed a lot of innocent people here because that's what Jehu does. He grabs these men and women on their way to meet Jezebel and he has them all killed. He has them all killed. And these people were not all part of the house of Ahab. People are starting to get killed in the crossfire and Jehu doesn't care. And people that could have given him wisdom and advice, city officials and royal officials who knew more than maybe Jehu knows, he didn't care. He just had them all killed. Well, Jehu goes all the way on to Samaria. And when he gets to Samaria, he says, it's time to wipe out the worship of Baal forever out of Israel. So as he's riding into Samaria, he sees this beautiful temple that Baal built there right in Samaria. And it was huge and it would contain hundreds and hundreds of worshipers. And inside the temple, there was an inner sanctuary where the deity Baal was supposed to reside along with Asherah. This was a special place only the biggest, bestest, baddest priest could get into. Well, Jehu sends out a decree to all the worshipers of Baal in all of northern Israel, to all the priests and all the prophets of Baal to come to the temple in Samaria where Jehu, the new king of northern Israel, is going to worship Baal. Yes! And I'm going to offer a burnt offering to Baal. Yes! And he sends out a proclamation. See, news didn't travel as fast back then. They didn't have Instagram or Facebook or texting. or They had no access to the internet. They had no way to get all this information so quickly back to them, right? So they didn't know yet who Jehu was. And when they heard about a big old shindig party to worship Baal at the beautiful temple there in Samaria, followers of Baal showed up. And it says in 2 Kings 10 that the temple was full from the back to the front of worshipers of Baal. Now, Jehu took it even a step further. He said, I want to make sure that we kill only the worshipers of Baal. So he hires 80 men, 80 of his men to surround the temple of Baal. And he says to them, on my command, I want you to go in and I want you to kill these worshipers of Baal. And if you let any one of them out alive, You're going to have to forfeit your life. 
So these guards, they're like, no way am I going to let some Baal worshiper out. No way. Well, Jehu says, all right, if we're going to kill the right people, we got to make sure we're only killing Baal worshipers. I wish he thought of that earlier with all those relatives of Ahab. But he said, we're going to only kill the worshipers of Baal. So he not only invited everybody to come to the temple of Baal, he also said, I've got a cool outfit. We're going to put on Baal worshiping robes so we know that we're true worshipers of Baal. So they probably put on these beautiful robes. And all these worshipers of Baal thought they were doing great. They're wearing these beautiful robes. The king of northern Israel is about to worship Baal and offer a burnt offering. And that's what Jehu does. He offers a burnt offering and then on his signal... These 80 soldiers burst in and slaughter all of the worshipers of Baal. From all over Israel, they showed up and Jehu's plan worked. He killed them all. And it says they even went into the inner sanctuary and took the idol that was in there and crushed it. If it was wooden, they probably burnt it up. If it was made out of rock, they probably heated it really hot and then poured cold water on it and just fractured it and smashed it. And it says in 2 Kings 10 that Jehu tore down that temple to Baal and rebuilt it and turned it into a public bathroom. He turned this temple to the worship of Baal into a bathroom. What a humiliation. Where they used to worship Baal, now people pee and poop on that very ground. Right there on the sacred space of Baal is where people do their business. Talk about humiliation. And Yahweh says, I'm God. And I'm going to enact judgment. And we are going to eradicate the worship of Baal. Well done, Jehu. We've only got one thing left. We've got those two golden calves that my people are worshiping. One's northern Israel in a city called Dan. And one's in southern Israel in a city called Bethel. Let's go do it. Woo! Well, Jehu doesn't. He stops. He doesn't knock down and eradicate those two golden calves, one in Bethel and one in Dan. And it says in 2 Kings 10, these golden calves were the start of the whole apostasy, right? Of Israel getting away from God under Jeroboam. But Jehu dealt with the worship of Baal but he doesn't complete the job. And we don't know why. Maybe he thought, well, Baal was just a foreign god, and Ahab and Jezebel, they were basically bringing in these foreign gods, and I'm going to wipe out foreign gods. But these calves, you know, in Bethel and Dan, they were created by good Jewish men and women, and I don't know if I feel right doing that, or maybe he just had a little bit of liking for this god he had just a little bit of liking for this type of worship hung on to just a little bit of his sin well god says jehu i'm going to honor you for wiping out the worship of 
Baal and for wiping out the house of Ahab, just like I asked. And you are going to have a descendant on the throne through the fourth generation. Well done, Jehu. But I'm also going to judge you. Because what you have here is an incomplete obedience. And during Jehu's reign, he fought war after war after war. And it says in 2 Kings chapter 10 that Haziel, the Syrian king, began to invade into Israel and he shrunk the territory of Israel. And they took some of the land that had been given to Manasseh, some of the land that had been given to the tribe of Reuben and Gad. Haziel took it. The land of northern Israel is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. God is judging Israel and Jehu for lacking complete obedience, for not following him, for leaving that little bit of sin in their lives open. And it says that Jehu ruled for 28 years, but that the people's heart pursued these golden calves. Jehu encouraged him in it and never stopped it. Jehu, he ended up being an evil king in the eyes of Yahweh because he didn't completely follow God with all his heart. Remember back with Asa? It's said of Asa that his heart was wholly devoted to the Lord his entire days. Can't say that of Jehu. And I hope that's not said of me. And I hope that's not said of you, that we have an incomplete obedience, that we partially follow the Lord, that we're awfully close, but we like to hang on to those little sins. And man, if we chose to completely follow God, we'd have complete joy, complete peace. But we let those little things in our lives, maybe... God's withholding some blessing. I don't know. If we would just be completely devoted to his son, Jesus. The peace and joy we would understand if we were just completely devoted to him. I pray that's not said of us. So at the end, Jehu. He did so well. But he also let an incomplete obedience bring the judgment of God upon Israel and upon his reign. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.